The Journey of the Magi, Matthew 2, 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stooped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this visitation and adoration of the Magi is undoubtedly the most exotic portion of the Christmas account in the gospel narratives. It's been very popular in the history of the church. Uh, fanciful recounts are given. Uh, you may have heard of Balthazar, Melchior, and Gaspar. You'll find them in the hymn, We Three Kings of Orient Are. That actually comes from an 8th century, so we think, a 8th century uh, a chronicle that it's so interesting, they just embellish. There's three gifts, so there are three kings. There's whole stories and characters that are given to them, but so far as we know, that's not rooted in the historical truth at all. It was actually the, the, in the medieval feast calendar, the 12th day of Christmas was Epiphany, also the feast of the three kings, and children would leave straw and hay out for the, uh, the camels, and they liked the holiday because there would be a gift for them in the morning. Well, it certainly is true that this is a remarkable event. Now, this morning we saw that Joseph and Mary came after a great arduous journey. They came to Jerusalem. There was no room for them in the, in the little inn, and they had to give birth in a stable. And so they were outcasts, as it were. They were marginal people in the town of Bethlehem. Well, how astonished everyone must be when suddenly a star shines above them, clearly supernaturally, and these magi, that's the biblical term is magi, not kings, uh, come from the east and they bring these precious gifts and they bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul would later say of the resurrection of Jesus, these things were not done in a corner. This would not be something that you could do in a way that people would not notice. And it is, in fact, a remarkable event. Now, the real significance of the Magi is here we have at the very birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the peoples of the Gentiles, the rulers of the nations, and they are coming to bow before him. And they're paying him homage and they're giving him tribute. What was this 
but a statement arranged by God of what was, the, what was the destiny of this child. When his work was accomplished, what would be the result that the nations would come to him? This is what the prophets foretold. The nations will stream to him. And of course, history has shown that. The gospel has gone, gone to the very corners of the earth. The vast majority of us are Gentiles. And in the Christmas account, we're represented by the Magi from the East. The East is almost certainly Babylon. We know they had Magi, also called wizards, astronomers. Uh, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been trained among them. And it's actually wonderful. There's all these things that we don't have information about in the Bible. One of the things is what happened in Babylon after Daniel? And after the restoration of Jerusalem, well, we know that a large Jewish community continued. And it's clear that they were, we know that they perpetuated the the Bible. In fact, our best Old Testament manuscripts are those that were prepared in Babylon in the centuries prior to the coming of Jesus. And these magi had learned the prophecy of the prophet Micah. And they had been told that the Messiah was going to come, the true king of all the earth. And they knew the the prophecy that was from them. How, How did they get that? Clearly a witnessing church. A church after Esther in, in Babylon was, uh, was proclaiming the scriptures. It was being taught in the synagogues. And even some of the wise men became interested. God had caused them to be interested. And now they, they traped over a long distance and they came to Bethlehem, guided by the star, and they give homage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's rather popular among scholars to, to suggest that this event may have happened as many as two years after the birth of Jesus. I think that's extremely unlikely. Uh, first of all, it makes the timelines of his birth very bad. And we just read the passage about Jesus being presented at the temple that was about a month and a half. It took a little over a month for the purification of Mary to, to take place. They went to the temple afterwards. I see no reason why they would have lingered in Bethlehem. This event probably most likely happened within a couple of months of Jesus' birth. These magi from the east who had left two years earlier and had been guided by the star. Now, what I think is most significant in the passage is the nature of the gifts given to them. They are not random. They're very precious objects, and it shows they're giving homage, and they're bowing before him, and they're giving precious gifts. But it turns out that the three gifts they give him, gold and incense and myrrh, are very significant in anticipating the ministry and work that this child would be born to do. Now, first, gold is the gift you give to a king. And this is a way of paying homage to him as the the king of kings. This is what, at the end of his life, what Herod would be forced to put, the king of the Jews. This is the eternal king who comes from God. He brings the kingdom of earth. What did Jesus say when he began his ministry in Galilee? The kingdom of God is, 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 is come near. And they give homage to him. He came to be the ruler, as, my, as Micah had said, the one who would shepherd the true people of God. He is our king today. Very interesting is the incense. Incense was very important for the offerings that were performed by the priests in the temple. Um, incense was used for the anointing of priests, but in particular, incense was mixed into the thank offerings. There were a number of offerings. We tend to think of the blood offerings, the sacrifice of lambs and goats, but there were food offerings and drink offerings. These were, these were consecration offerings. This is a way of saying we thank you, God, for the things you've given us, and we dedicate ourselves to you. The incense would be used in those. Interestingly, the incense was not to be used in the atonement offerings. And this gift of incense is a reflection that this is a sinless one. 
This is the one. His offering does not involve a need for sin to be atoned for. And it is the consecration. It's, it's anticipating Jesus' life as a thank offering to God, a life of obedient service as he does the will of his Father. How often Jesus said as an adult, I have come to do the will of my Father. And those sacrifices would have incense mixed in with them. It shows the consecration of his life in perfect holiness. He was the one child born of woman who bore no sin. He offered the true thanks offering to God. Now, most interesting is myrrh. Myrrh was used for, well, primarily in the ancient world, in fact, for embalming. Now, what a strange gift to bring to a mother who has just given birth to a baby. It's almost offensive that you would give burial spices to the mother of a new child. But it suggests to me very clearly that the Micah prophecy was not the only one they'd heard. It was their way of saying, we know, we, we worship this child. He is the true king, the nations. We represent the Gentiles. We bow down to him. We bring the incense representing the pure offering of, of his consecrated life. And we know the gift of mercy shows. We know the reason he came was that he would be the Lamb of God. He would be the one through the offering of his own life and death would gain the forgiveness of our sins. Had they heard, I think they probably had heard, back in Babylon, the prophecy of Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds are we healed. And here at the beginning of Jesus' life, that myrrh is brought, representing the sacrifice he would offer in death so that we would be forgiven of our sins, no judgment remaining for each of us. Well, very briefly, these also are a good picture of what it means to be a Christian and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It means that we trust Jesus' atoning death. And we come to him saying, yes, the murder is for you because you were given by the Father that you would die for us. Jesus was born as a man so that he could die for men and women. We are guilty before God, and God has given his own son to lay down his life in our place. And that's part of our thanks to him. Yes, Lord, we believe in your cross. We trust in your atoning blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, but the incense as well is that in him, having been cleansed of our sins, we too then are to consecrate our lives unto him. We too are to find the meaning of our lives in discipleship with Jesus, service to Jesus, the worship of Jesus. My friends, the great thing happening in the world in this, in this age, the age that began with the coming of Jesus the first time, the great thing is the spread of the good news of Jesus throughout the world. And we as a church are consecrated for the thank offering. Paul says, offering, offer your lives as a fragrant offering unto God. And our faith is doing that for Jesus, living for him in our daily lives and together spreading his gospel of salvation. And yes, we bow to Jesus as king. To be a Christian is to name him Savior and it is to bow to him as Lord. As we celebrate this Christmas, we should each think in our own hearts, I would encourage you to take a little time for prayer, some convenient time perhaps, and give your homage to Jesus Christ.
Give your thanks to God the Father who loved, so loved you, who so loved us that he gave his own son. Let us give him this homage and say to you, you are the king. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the only ruler of eternity. Well, let me conclude by saying I, I mentioned what a remarkable thing it was. Really stunning that these magi from the east come out of the desert to Jerusalem and they follow the star. They end up, maybe they were still living in the stable, who knows. And they come and they give these gifts and this homage. What a remarkable thing. But I tell you that remarkable things are still happening in this world. Something equally remarkable happens every time an unbeliever believes in Jesus Christ. And like that star that guided them and they found the Lord Jesus, we are guided by the word of God, by the preaching of the gospel, maybe by the witness of a friend who tells you the the biblical truth about Jesus Christ, that he is God's son, that he is a savior so that you can be forgiven. He grants a new birth through the Holy Spirit so that you may live again and, and have eternal life. And by the star of God, the light of God's word, You are led to the Lord Jesus. I tell you something just as extraordinary as the the adoration of the Magi takes place. As you offer your worship to the Lord Jesus, it is every bit as precious to him now as this was at that time of his birth. And then you begin living unto him and your life takes on a significance that will continue into eternity because God has given us his son And we respond in homage to him. I don't know if you've, maybe you're here tonight and you've not been following the Lord Jesus or you profess Jesus, but you really haven't been living for him. What better time than Christmas to say, you know, I need to give my gifts to Jesus. I need to give, I need to consecrate my life. He he doesn't need anything I have to offer. But this is right. This is true. This is what gives meaning to life. This is the only glory that is real or that lasts in the world. Yes, let us give our adoration to God's Son. Let us bring our gifts to him and let us live for his glory. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the remarkable story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say thanks be to God. Yes, thank you for your love and grace indeed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.